Why niggas? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Niggas is a brand. Allen Houston. Niggas just mean Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Welcome back to an exciting episode of Nickish. We've got a lot happening. We've got a lot to talk about after a very, very transformative trade deadline and a ground-shaking presidential change in the office of the Garden. So here with me, I've got my co-hosts. I've got Osama sitting right next to me, and I've got my friend Mo, the founder, on the other line. Hi, guys. How you feel? What up? What up? What up? It is a bright and sunny Saturday, my friend. I feel like whenever we're talking about the Knicks, it's bright and sunny. But this week, it actually feels good, at least to me. I don't know if you guys completely agree. I'm happy with, with this past week, starting with Steve Mills' ousting and the trade deadline and where the Knicks stand today. I, I feel pretty good about the New York Knicks. What about you, Osama? I am feeling great. I am feeling happy. Before this season started, I said two things. All right, I need Fizdale to leave. The Knicks listened. And I need Steve Mills gone. And the Knicks now listen. Granted, the timing was a little bit weird, of course. Um, not everybody loves the timing. You know, having it done on the trade deadline is not always great. Uh, making such a front office change is not always great. But we still are happy. You know why? Because I think I read a damning stat last week. Steve Mills was president or related in the front office, president or GM, um, for 13 years with the Knicks, I believe. And... There was a three-year gap in between that stint. And in that three-year gap, the Knicks made the playoffs twice. But in the whole 13 years that Steve Mills was president or GM or assistant in this organization, the Knicks never made the playoffs. That's damning, okay? And no other exec in the league could have, st- could have stayed as long as he did. And, you know, my, my excitement was a little bit tempered because we found out very shortly after that he wasn't fired at all. He was just... Out reallocated to the board of MSG. <laughs> oh my God, man! If he somehow finds a way to get back, get back at us from the board. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, I'm really proud of what the organization has done. Obviously, Dolan is still the head of this organization, so I can't get too proud. But with Steve Mills gone, we're we're trending in the positive direction. Mm. Yeah. To piggyback piggyback off that, I completely agree with the sentiment that uh, Steve Mills had to go. He was just, you know, kind of, sort of coasting in terms of his position. He didn't really deserve to be there with the sort of failures that they've been experiencing for the last, I mean, better part of 20 years, right? Um, so excited to see Steve Mills ousted. Um, now, there have been reports in the media as well that Scott Perry's on his way out as, as well. So he's not expected to really stick around with this Leon Rose uh, change that's happening. So... Now, we talked about the weird timing, right? What do you guys think um, in terms of, like, the, the hire? Do you guys think we, we nailed it with the Leon Rose hire, or do you guys think it's, it's questionable, wait-and-see approach? I well, the whole with, uh, Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, yeah, the, the whole situation, it's very interesting because it's a, it's a situation that not a lot of Knicks fans were aware of, but the CAA, which is a uh, creative art agency or some, some shit like that, um, they've been they've been very influential with a lot of the New York Knicks moves that that's been detrimental to the New York Knicks. For example, the Ronaldo Bachman trade, the Eddie Curry trade, the Andrea Bargiani trade, all of those were 
where a all those players were agents of CAA, which who Leon Rose and Worldwide West are affiliated with or part of actually. Um, Leon Rose had, was ahead of it. Don't forget I, forcing yeah. us to to bring along J.R. Smith's brother Chris Smith. That's the Chris worst. Smith. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But but Steve Mills had to go for one because my man was catching L's and cashing in checks every week <laughs> for for years and I, and I'm it, it it does go to show how James Dolan is finally moving forward because Steve Mills was his guy and I think it's safe to say if that that if there's a guy who is not James Dolan's boy it would be Leon Rose because he he's been working with him but he's also known as He's one of the most powerful guys in the agency world, and if, he's, if James Dolan is bringing him on, I don't think he's bringing him on to tell him what to do. I don't think he's gonna have that ability to tell him, tell mm-hmm. Leon what to do. And I, 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 of course, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna take this on with 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 uh, cautious optimism. But I think for for a guy who's able to fleece all these shitty players to the New York Knicks, it's nice to have that guy on our side and hopefully do the same thing to the rest of the NBA because he can't he can't represent those players if he's a president of the New York Knicks. So I, I, I do have cautious optimism, but I'm I'm really excited to have a guy as powerful as Leon Rose and, and Wes on, on our side this time. To your point, too, I think um, Dolan made that evident a little bit on Friday, uh, February 7th, one day after the trade deadline, by releasing a statement through Knicks PR saying, that the Knicks are actively still looking for a president. Um, obviously, that was just put out there because Leon Rose had still not uh, reneged his agency duties, so we had to make sure that there was no conflict of interest there and that he was fully applicable to be a president of basketball operations. But later in that PR statement, um, Dolan essentially said, I'm not selling the team, but I do want to replicate what I'm doing with the Rangers in terms of allowing Leon Rose full of full autonomy with the Knicks and allowing mm-hmm. him to build a system that way. And you know what? I had no idea uh, who Leon Rose was or what he even looked like. I honestly was surprised to find out what he looks like <laughs> visually. <laughs> and I know there was a lot of jokes going around on Twitter yeah. about like people realizing that Leon Rose isn't black. If that's not the smoothest, coolest name I've ever heard in my life. And yet, <clears throat> it's just this random dude. But also, a guy coming along with him in World Wide West... Um, somebody who people consider like the ga- the Godfather, uh, people who look towards like as Uncle Uncle Wes, and people really respect both of those guys. So, I'm happy with the signing, um, knowing that um, CAA actually had the likes of you know Carmelo Anthony, LeBron at one point. They were huge in the Miami Heatles time. Uh, they had Amari Stoudemire. Currently, I think they have Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker. Um, mm-hmm. They have a bunch of guys around the league, and and at the time when we when I heard about the signing. Um, or the potential signing, I thought maybe we're at play right now for, for D'Angelo Russell and that hopefully we're making a play next year for Carl Anthony Towns if he feels a little bit more disgruntled. Obviously, we found out shortly afterward that Russell would not be coming to the Knicks, but uh, we could talk about that in a second. Um, I just wanted to know, from your guys' standpoint, do you feel like the timing in terms of the trade deadline and, and, and hiring somebody during... I think it, it, it happened at noon, basically, noon during the trade deadline on Thursday knowing that we had six hours left to make some changes, did you feel like it was good timing? Because at the same time, we had heard that, you know, Steve Mills was pushing to actually have us keep Marcus Morris on the team. And as you guys have probably heard by now, uh, Marcus Morris ended up leaving. Um, We ended up trading him away to the Clippers for what ended up being a first-rounder from them, uh, rights to swap a first-rounder next year with them, a second-rounder next year via Detroit, as well as the rights to Isuf Sanin, coming from Ukraine. And so I 
personally really wanted Marcus Morris to go. I, I didn't want us to keep a guy and end up having to lose him in free agency uh, for nothing. But I'm curious to hear what you guys think about the timing and, and whether that maybe had led to Steve Mills being fired. Hmm. Yeah, I think the timing was very bad. Um, I don't think... I think what happened was that Steve Mills was supposed to stay on throughout the deadline. I don't think it was planned that he would leave. I think that you know guys in the front office were just at ends of like they were on the opposite sides of the spectrum where Mills was sort of looking for win now moves and we could see that with the D'Angelo Russell trade and the Malik Monk swap and keeping Morris on maybe they, they were trying to make a run for the playoffs whereas I feel like Perry was more so like let's build for the future and so um, I'm very disappointed that they had to make this change so late because it really did affect the deadline. Like, we went in a completely different direction. And if we were building for the future, I feel like we wasted a lot of time that we could have been trying to, you know, trade guys like Portis, trade guys like um, Payton, guys that weren't going to be part of the future. So I feel like that was such a Nick thing to do. Like, wait until the deadline to actually decide we're going to change the front, like the front office structure, which is just awful. Um, but even yeah. though it might have led to us making the right decision with Marcus Morris? You still believe the same way? See, I think I think the right answer was it should have been somewhere down the middle. We should have still traded Morris, and we, we could have still gotten a guy like D'Angelo Russell to build for the future. Like, I think it should have been a combination. Whereas so we as, just... Yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry, uh, not to cut you off, but uh, as far as the timing goes, I, I'm not one to give James Dolan the benefit of the doubt, but if I were to give him the benefit of the doubt, I think that the ownership was... I want to think that the ownership started looking at potential candidates for the president role after that Cleveland loss back in November when they had to do that press conference. I think that's that's what started the possibility of, of firing Steve Mills. And I think I think I, I, I doubt talks for Leon Rose and Worldwide West suddenly started from, from this past Tuesday. I believe that they started back in November. And I think they were watching Steve Mills to see what he does. And I, I feel like... Scott Perry might have thrown him under the bus uh, and, and just told ownership that, look, he's trying to keep Mook Morris and he's trying to get veterans and try he's probably pushing to make the playoffs this season. And maybe, just maybe, Dolan thought the right way and was just like, that's not the direction that, the, that this franchise should go. Now, as far as the trades for Bobby Portis and Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock, I was surprised Reggie Bullock was not a trade. I, I think a lot of teams mm-hmm. would have loved to have him. Um, hopefully the, the situation, I mean, I think the situation with like Bobby Portis that the rest of the NBA knows that he's, he's not worth anything. So that's why they didn't make a trade for him. But Alfred Payton, Reggie, for, hey, I saw for, some guys I, I would. Cash. would you pay for, would you pay for Bobby Portis? Yes. I, I would pay cash to send him out. Yes. yes. Oh, yes, well, yes. Yes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they might buy him out. Who knows? But as, as, yeah, as far as the timing goes, I think this, this started back in, in November. Um, but you don't think yeah. it's weird that they just decided, you know, let's actually remove our president the day of the deadline? Like, almost no, the day I th- before? I think Mo was two right days. in the sense that it, it was... Two, two it, days, it, fine. Yeah. Mo was right in the sense that it was it was more likely a Perry push, which we heard some reports mm-hmm. of a Perry push saying, basically, the trade deadline's coming up. We don't want to make these wrong trades. And if so, knight that man right now. Because Couldn't we have decided this a week before the deadline? The situation I want to compare this to is, a, is the Chris Porzingis trade from last year because this kind of situation was almost exactly the same thing. The rest of the NBA was just like, oh, the, or fans were just like, why did this suddenly happen? Why did we hear that they want to trade him one minute and then two hours later he was traded? But in reality, the front office was looking for potential trades for weeks. It was just not out in the open like that. 
Mm-hmm. The team has been generally good at like keeping information away from the reporters. Uh-huh. Um, we know that a lot of the reporters don't even have an in with these front office execs. But that's my point. If we're already looking for a replacement for Steve Mills, you would think we would get the replacement in to go through the, with this deadline instead mm-hmm. of doing this weird like test run for Steve Mills well, to th- see if he I, does the right thing. Yeah, what, I, what is that about? I think the goal was likely to, to reinstate a president in the summer if mm-hmm. if all the, like basically leave like allow Steve Mills and Scott Perry to run a full season together mm-hmm. and then um, once the summer comes they reevaluate but I think to Mo's point Perry might have just jumped in and been like I've, I've actually had enough like this deadline is coming up and we need to get something out of Morris I'm like I can't sit here and allow my my supervisor my manager essentially to uh, allow the team to just keep Morris and forego multiple picks that we ended up getting with this team and right. who knows like if we're going to get any quality player out of those picks, but it's something as opposed to nothing. And we can Still always re-sign Morris again in the summer. So it was a great decision. I think, to Mo's point, it might have happened last minute just due to the fact that it was like to save face and to make sure that uh, Steve Mills doesn't like, mess everything up, knowing that we have deals on the table potentially for players, but, more, uh, but Steve Mills probably didn't want to make them. And so I, I, I give... The little list of props to James Dolan for at least like mm-hmm. listening mm-hmm. and and and, mm-hmm. and, fi- and firing him or at least reallocating him because um, he doesn't do a lot that's great but um, one thing that he does well is just not care about his pocketbook and, and just uh, fair enough um, and make sure that he's listening to the crowd and he doesn't listen to the crowd in a positive way obviously a lot of this has to do with the fact that our fans are the best fans in the league they were able to show up to every game and shout obscenities at James Dolan <laughs> like they should. And scream, sell the team for the past couple of games. And that's ultimately what led to a front office change. Like, what other team in the league do you know is making front office changes directly because of the fans that come to the stadium? One, at one point, uh, on one side, you might say, that's James Dolan being super fragile. But on the other side, you might say, oh, that's the fans actually making a change because they wanted something. And everybody in unison came together to actually make it happen. I, I will say that that countered, though. We are the only team, I think, that has been consistently bad for 20 years, though. Like, yeah. every other franchise has not gone through this. So, our fans revolting, basically, in their seats, that's mm-hmm. that's something unique to us because we've been so bad. Well, you have teams like the the Kings, who are consistently well, I would argue that in the they, bottom of the league. They've, but they've, they've, they've had some good seasons. Last year, they had, had a really seasons. surprising season where I believe they won 40 games. Right. And now, this year, they're back to trash again, mm-hmm. and it was completely unexpected. They hired... Um, Luke Walton. Name? Luke Walton to yes. coach. They uh, fired Dave Yeager for no reason. He was really great. The Doncic misstep. Um, they did not draft Doncic. Oh, oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They went with Bagley, who's okay, but, but not obviously Doncic. not generational like yeah. Doncic is. And then, you know, they re-signed Bogdanovich to an obscene amount, to almost a max, and then now are considering the same, or have done the same with Buddy Heald, and they're just not going anywhere quick. So. I know a lot of their fans are fed up. They thought it was finally time to make that next step, uh-huh. and they haven't done it. They've, they've regressed backwards. I know fans from uh, Chicago consistently see their team at the bottom of the league, and yet because of guard packs, similar to uh, what we have I mean, now the thing with, is, with James Dolan. Chicago won like six, right, mm-hmm. in like the 90s. So well, do they yeah, really yeah. have a right to complain? Well, they, were, they peaked in the same time that our Knicks team peaked, but in terms of but the we 2000s, we've had... Our, our teams have been similar in the sense that our ownership has trickled down to the rest of the team and has made the team horrible. You, they have guys like, um, like, basically they have like guys that they drafted throughout all five of their starting lineup positions, all drafted in the top five or top seven. Oh, I hear you. And are ultimately only a few wins ahead of us. Fair enough. Um, and let's get away from the 
the Knicks, LOL Knicks uh, <laughs> narrative that we're talking about right now. And let's uh, let's actually discuss the trade deadline because mm-hmm. we actually yeah. made a trade this year, guys. So for back for the trade deadline in particular, I, I wanted to go back to Steve Mills and why, what what exactly was it that Scott Perry probably threw him under the bus for? And I think it was a D'Angelo Russell trade. I think Steve Mills was ready to give up the whole lot for D'Angelo Russell because he was worried for his job, and Scott Perry didn't want that. There, there's a di- there's a disagreement within their their uh, mindset of what they wanted the team to look like. I really think it was D'Angelo Russell that Steve Mills was gunning for and was making calls for. That's that's why on Monday or Tuesday, before he got fired, we were hearing all these rumors about you know D'Angelo to the Knicks, and I don't think Scott Perry is ready to trade everybody for him. So I know I know Teddy and I have a very big difference in in mm-hmm. what we think about D'Angelo Russell. Um, do you think the Knicks made a mistake by not trading the lot for D'Angelo Russell? Okay, I will say this right off the bat is that. I think we should have gotten D'Angelo Russell at the end of the day because the package that was floated was a package I was very happy to part with. We had Bobby Portis, uh, <laughs> Trier. Stop right there. Yeah, stop you right stop there. right there. Uh, Trier, Trier. Frank, oh, no. <laughs> and our first round pick. Possibly another pick, but the one that was discussed was our first pick this year in the draft, right? Um, I don't know. I feel like that's a decent package considering we're not even in like the bottom for the draft standings right now, right? Mm-hmm. To get D'Angelo Russell with like basically three players that aren't really assets at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're already ready to get away from Portis and Trier. Um, Frank's the only guy that we're like big fans of, but at the end of the day, what what is his value in the league, right? So no, I don't I don't think we I think we should have jumped into the D'Lo trade. I think he could have brought us Carl Anthony Towns in the off season. So I think that was a misstep. Yeah, I don't think that was a trade package, though. I think he was ready to offer Mitchell Robinson and because that's what Bob Myers wanted. Everybody in the NBA knows that Porras and Trier are, are worth nothing, and Frank Nilakina offensively, everybody knows, is nothing. And no, a lottery yeah. a lottery pick for next year's draft, is it's it's a lot of point guards there and a lot of, a lot of two guards there, which which the Warriors have. I think they really wanted a big man in Mitchell, Roberts, Mitchell Robinson to go along with Draymond Green. I don't think Scott Perry wanted to do that. So would you would you have traded away Mitchell Robinson plus a lot of our our lottery pick and Frank and and Byport and Trier or whatever? But would you be willing to part ways with Mitchell Robinson? I think that was a breaking point for Perry. I think and Osama can follow this with his sort of take because we've we've gone back and forth privately as well. Is that mm-hmm. if Mitchell Robinson was included in the package, I don't think our lottery our top lottery pick would be included. Maybe per, perhaps like a late like the Dallas pick, right? Which is going to be like a later pick. Maybe that would have been the main package. Um, it's a tough, it's a tough package to actually give away because Mitchell Robinsons we're all we're all high on them, right? But you look you look at what the Warriors actually got, right? And I feel like they didn't even get Culver, which was like Minnesota's pick this year. So mm-hmm. I feel like the young guys were untouchable on both teams. Like they gave they gave away Wiggins and a couple of you know picks. So I feel like Delo's value is probably a lot less than what we expected. So to that later point, I think. And we we actually heard this a little bit from some of Steve Kerr's comments yesterday. It seems like they were actually high on Wiggins, which yeah. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they were high on Wiggins as a developmental piece for them. Um, they wanted some guy to slot in essentially where KD was before and maybe be like 50% of what KD was. And they have high faith in their system being able to develop him in that way where he can be a scorer, where he can be a facilitator a little bit, where he can do a lot of everything that people expected him to do. Granted, I don't think that's going to happen, honestly, mm-hmm. because... Just looking at his numbers, he's actually a really bad off-ball player, and he's going to play a lot of off-ball offense with the Warriors. 
He's also, um, at this point, not a great shooter. So that's not gonna, he's not going to slide in well there. And, and so that's essentially what they need from him. So I don't think it's going to work out, but it seems like they were really high on him. Um, I'm sure the Timberwolves were really excited to hear that, had to like hold in their excitement to, to trade him away because I believe he's being paid almost $40 million for the next three years wow. straight. Um, I don't know how the Warriors just decided to like pick up that uh, deal, but it also felt like oh, reports came out later that the Warriors were not high on D'Angelo Russell as it is and his fit within the uh, organization. They felt like he didn't necessarily positionally fit. It's like, yeah, no shit. We all knew this when they got him in the He's summer. The best point guard we all, Yeah, we yeah. all knew he was just insurance for them uh, losing KD, but they wanted to go out and say, like, no, we're not. We didn't just pick him up just to trade him. You know, positionally, we think it's going to work out. Everyone saw right through that, and it, it was pretty clear, but they waited until after the deadline to make that clear. But to the earlier points, I think you're both correct. For one, I would definitely make the package of... I would definitely trade the package of Bobby Portis, Alonzo Trier, Frank Nilekina, and our first-rounder because, as I've mentioned multiple times on this cast, I don't feel all that great about this upcoming draft. A lot of players... A lot of people say it's, it's a deep draft. I don't think so. I think it's a lot of... Uh, I think it's deep in terms of the quality from 1 through 15 is pretty much around the same. I don't feel very strongly about any of the top five guys. But at the same time, to Mo's point, if they were including Mitch in this, I would not make the deal at all. Um, I wouldn't make the deal because, number one, I don't think Russell is the generational or transformational player to warrant giving up one of our best young guys. And then number two, uh, positionally, picking up D'Angelo Russell would be great next to uh, RJ, uh, next to Mitch, so that they can play that 1-5 pick and roll, throw up some lobs, have some actual like excitement back at the garden. But giving up Mitch in that process means we're essentially stuck with Randall at the four and nobody at the five. And we're not set up like the Rockets are to just play five out and just like shoot from perimeter and let our point guard drive in. So I think getting Russell in that scenario would have made him worse because he wouldn't have as many pieces around him and also would have made the team worse. Um, So I would not trade Mitch in that scenario. But if it was Mitch and... uh, just a Dallas pick, like you mentioned. I still would not do it just because of positionally it wouldn't make sense. We would have to still find that back in the lottery, and I don't know if mm-hmm. any of the guys in this lottery are going to be that kind of player. Well, so. let me ask you right now. What if it was trade away Mitch and this pick, you get Russell, and in the offseason you try mm-hmm. to get Carl Anthony Towns to demand a trade? See, that's the thing. Like, he, you, you can't rely on Towns. You can't also, Towns has, no, Towns has no leverage in his situation because he did agree to that max contract with them. And We've so, seen a lot of players get of away with Who are you going to trade for but, Carl Anthony Towns? All your picks that you got from the Marcus trade, right? And your maybe your first this year. You, mm-hmm. you, we can make a it, pretty it could competitive work. package. It's just right. that they would have, they would, the team, the Timberwolves would be in the best position possible to trade him, and they would choose the best offer. So if you think we could beat out every other offer I in the league, so. sure. I personally don't think so, just because I feel like there's a lot of other young up and coming teams that are gonna like give, just throw away even more picks and more players at them for Towns because they are needing that superstar player on their team, I don't think... I wouldn't want us to actually throw away well, half the, our team. Let's on talk him. about this. So, the Anthony Davis trade, right? That's the best... One of the best big men in the league. Carl Anthony mm-hmm. Towns is probably like a, a tier below that, right? We saw what, what he went for. Yeah. So, I think we could put together a pretty competitive package of young players plus future picks. To think, actually about, get, think about what it took to get a lot. Anthony Davis. We but don't it, have the cali- We don't have that kind of caliber of players. We don't have... Alonzo Ball, we don't have a Brandon Ingram but who's about to get max this stars. summer. None of those guys were stars. Of at that course, point. but they, they were, weren't even all stars. They were all they were young, guys young guys who showed promise, like even a Josh Hart. Even, I don't know. I don't know about but, that. I think that's revisionist because 
Ingram was awful in his mm-hmm. like first couple of years, and people were already writing him off. Well, think about it this way: uh, Josh Hart, Ingram, Lonzo Ball, are any of those guys worse than our best young developmental player, who's Frank? Well, the other thing is that it, you can't. That, that's way too risky of a move to to trade our best big man for D'Angelo Russell in the hope of getting one. Carl Anthony, making the risk is you're gonna want Carl Anthony Towns disgruntled. That in of itself is a huge, but like, question mark. Though. But the fact to actually trade for him, that's another question mark. Those are two huge question marks. That's not worth the risk of our best big man since Patrick Ewing. Well, Mo, let, well let I guess Chris Stapps. But let me ask you yeah. this though: you you keep saying the best big man we've had in a while, except KP. I get it. But that guy can't even stay on the floor for like a full game. So I don't know how you can Wait. overvalue him. Like yeah. I like Mitch. Don't it's get me wrong. I love, I love Mitch. I love Mitch. But you also can't. Even you also can't come to like the Timberwolves and be mm-hmm. like, you know what? This guy is off limits in a Carl Anthony trade because what they're gonna be like? We want a good prospect. Yeah, this guy's yeah, yeah. not. But like you just a said you said you wanted to trade Mitch for D'Angelo Russell. So once once Mitch is gone for this this mm-hmm. hypothetical, mm-hmm. he's already gone for D'Angelo Russell. Who are you left? Who are you gonna trade for Carl Anthony? Are you gonna trade RJ? No, no, no. My point was, Mitch shouldn't be a guy that you just exclude. Like, he's not untouchable. No. And I, if it's and for I Carl, thought that originally. Like, he should if, be an untouchable. But if it's for Towns, it makes sense exactly. to Mo's point. If it's for Towns, maybe, it makes maybe sense. Not yes. Maybe not for yeah. D'Lo. But my point was, you're going to have to part with um, Mitch anyways if you want to attract Cat. That's my point. Yeah, but that's fine. But it would have been you're, done in the Russell deal. Yeah, so yeah your hypothetical startup with trading him for Russell. Yeah. Anyway, this is all besides the point. <laughs> would you guys have wanted any other trades to happen before the deadline uh we i wanted to get rid of our veterans 100 mm-hmm. percent. i want to get rid of alfred i wanted to get rid of bobby portis i like reggie bullock i think uh maybe maybe he's one of those guys if we can keep on for a cheap deal next season if he really likes being with us he's always a great glue guy to have on our team um but you know i, I think we should be satisfied with what we got with with marcus morris and on that point i'm kind of honestly upset that Later that day on Thursday, uh, the Knicks playing the Magic, we started a lot of our veterans in that game too. Yeah. And oh, none of our young guys got even reached twenty minutes in the game. So I don't understand. That's this is what I mentioned in one of our in our last podcast, and I've mentioned to both of you guys in passing that I really hope that this emphasis on the veterans is more f- just to like shop them essentially before a trade deadline. Trade deadline has come and gone. Maybe, okay, maybe I'll say this rotation was set for Thursday because we didn't know what would end up happening by the trade deadline. So let's give like the Knicks some kind of leeway. But today's Saturday. Uh, the Knicks are set to play, I believe, the Pistons later today. And so if I still see the veterans playing in that game, I honestly don't know what I'll think. Harkless uh, is going to be playing in that game as well. Could potentially be playing. I think they might even discuss a buyout with him if he. If I would like to. Yeah, piggybacking on that, I would like to see us reroute him mm-hmm. and maybe get another asset because there were teams that were interested in Heartless. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. He's a good player on a contender. So that's one deal I think we miss. And the Dennis Smith de- like trade for Monk, I think I could have actually got behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to see that swap, just because we have so many guards, like point guards, and I'm ready for you know another position on the team and Monk. Could be a guy. Could be that a guy. one to me felt like know. kind of a wash because Monk is a player who will show out only against the Knicks for some reason, but then in every other <laughs> game, he plays like absolute trash. Mm-hmm. He shoots like trash, which is his, supposed to be his strength coming out of the uh, coming out of college. So I remember uh, back when he was in college playing with Fox, 
a lot of the conversation was around Monk being so much better than Fox because Fox kind of took that secondary role to him. Um, and I remember at that time just talking with a bunch of my friends and thinking, hey, like Fox shows some drive, whereas Monk feels like he has natural talent but doesn't show the same drive. And later when they got kicked out of March Madness, you saw essentially Fox crying in an interview later that day after they lost. And Monk was pretty much smiling and happy. And to, uh, to me, it was that moment where I was like, I really want Fox badly. We obviously couldn't draft him because I think he got drafted fifth that year and we ended up getting mm-hmm. Frank like maybe eighth. Um, obviously, that's a huge disappointment, but we never had a chance at him. I feel like with him on this team, that would have changed the entire future of the franchise. But aside from that, I don't think Monk is a player that's going to provide us with more than what Dennis Smith could provide us. Granted that Dennis Smith is healthy and plays like he did before uh, before the season ended last year. I think if we get that version of Dennis Smith, I'm happy playing him as our sixth man, playing him off the bench. He doesn't feel like a starting caliber point guard just because he's not as much of a facilitator and a creator like some of the other point guards that we essentially want to have. Um, but I am glad that we stood pat on that deal, and I'm glad that we also didn't trade any of these guys for um, what's-his-face from the Thunder. Um... Oh, Dennis Schroeder? Yeah, Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, another Dennis. Another Dennis. getting caught up. So uh, I'm glad we didn't make that deal because he's a guy who I think is in the same mold as a Dennis Smith where he can't defend. He's an okay facilitator, but ultimately is at best like a sixth man off the bench. Maybe I could have got behind it if we traded like assets we didn't want, like Trier. But I doubt the Thunder. He's he's averaging 18 points a game. The Thunder would not have traded him away for just garbage. I don't don't really know. We're not a good trade fit for them. Mm -hmm. So it It would have been probably one of our first rounders plus Dennis Smith Jr. Probably one of the late first rounders. That's something that got Mills fired for sure. (laughs) That's awful. I I think Mills got fired the second James Dolan heard John Henson come up. He's like, yeah, you're gone. You're gone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. Um, I think. I think after this trade deadline, we have seven picks in four years. We have cap flexibility. We still have all of our young guys. I I can't say I'm disappointed at all. I wanted to go back real quick uh, to Andrew Wiggins' fit with the Warriors. And I honestly think it won't be a bad fit because the first time they won a title, they had a guy almost exactly like Andrew Wiggins before Kevin Durant. His name was Harrison Barnes. And I think... And he's still he's still on the Kings today. He's not very productive, but I think Wiggins at the age of 24, he can fit into that role. He might be an overpriced guy to do it, but I think he has enough potential. And he's uh, everyone believes Andrew Wiggins has a lot of potential, but he just wasn't able to live up to it as a number one or number two guy in in Minnesota. But he might be able to do it as a number three or four guy in in Golden State with one of the best coaches in the NBA and the best point guard and two best shooters in the NBA. But I it think, does I feel think Wiggins like he's will be a... okay. He's a worse version of what Harrison Barnes was for that team. Harrison Barnes is a player who could be a role player, who could play off ball, who can defend and actually play up big to be to play a four or sometimes uh, like a big three in, in different formations. So he's somebody who could do that, whereas Wiggins is smaller, um, likes to play outside more, which they don't need. They already have outside shooters. And at the same time, he can't defend whatsoever and, and can't shoot the way Barnes was able to either. So... Barnes wasn't everything that the Kings thought that he would be coming over there, as in in terms of being a star. But he was an excellent role player in that rotation for the Warriors, whereas I don't think Andrew Wiggins is. Andrew Wiggins has the personality of trying to be a star, but the actual substance of not. So I, I don't think it was gonna, it's going to ever work with the Warriors. But, you know, honestly, like, it's fine for me. Like, I was disappointed to hear that that was the trade they ultimately came about with because it bothers me to see the Timberwolves come out with not only D'Angelo Russell in this scenario, but obviously they made a couple other deals where they came away with like Juancho Hernan Gomez, they came away with Malik Beasley. Oof, from the, I really the wanted Malik Beasley. Um, so all for Robert Covington. So yeah. I think 
ultimately we didn't have one of the best trades, but we I, I think I'm going to give our Marcus Morris trade an A. We could have probably got some other stuff for some of our other pieces. I'm giving the Warriors a lower grade for that. A C. Yeah, I'm giving them the C for that trade. Because you know what? Gotten better. My hot take is, I think by next deadline, the Wiggins experiment fails, and I think the Warriors offer a first for a salary dump on Wiggins, and I think we should jump in on them. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm dead I mean, serious, guys. I'll, I'll take a first serious. then because I feel like they're on a downward trajectory. It might even be more than a first because he has a massive contract, and it's still going like for two years probably mm-hmm. by next year. So I, will, I would love to jump in on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have we have been giving our cap to garbage. So, <laughs> all right. So All right, let me ask I, this. Let me ask this of you guys for like yeah. next uh, for this upcoming summer. Aside from whatever happens in the draft, whatever pick we end up getting, what are you guys looking for the Knicks to do this summer? Obviously, they're gonna have guys like Bobby Portis come off well, the books talk about that, with yeah. a team option. Uh, Reggie Bullock, I believe, will be off the books. Obviously, Marcus Morris is gone. Uh, Mo Harkless is expiring. Essentially, only the young guys will be on the roster left at the end of the season. So what do you guys expect the Knicks to do, or what would you want them to do? Hmm. Okay, well, I'm looking at the top free agents this offseason. And so the list starts with DeMarcus Cousins. Then we got AD, <laughs> we got Kyle Lowry, we got Marcus Morris, who I'm very open to re-signing because he was great, um, mm-hmm. and everyone loved him this year. Marcus All, um, Danilo Gallinari, and... I don't know. It, it, it's pretty dry. It's this pretty dry. I've already gone through like ten. Fred Van Vliet is a probably good option, but he's not going to require a max, which I don't feel comfortable giving him. You got guys like Andre Drummond, um, Brandon. No, that Ingram. guy's opting in. Brandon Andre Drummond's Ingram? opting in in Cleveland. Brandon Ingram. Ingram would be a great option. Is he but restricted? Of course, he's restricted. Yes. Oh, wow, that sucks. Yeah, so the free agent market is going to be really tough. Um, for anyone looking for like a star or even like a great player, like all star, nothing. Um, so I I really want us to make smaller moves, maybe like get in on the salary dumps because mm-hmm. we saw what Andre Iguodala went for, right? Um, the Grizzlies completely, you know, got two assets, two huge assets out of that, mm-hmm. and so maybe we take on the next guy who has like a fifteen mil, you know, contract that needs to be, mm-hmm. you know, taken off a team. Maybe we're the buyers in that. In that I'm, in, I'm in on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I'm looking at the top 20, 20 free agents. There really aren't that many who are unrestricted that are good, and they're not going to be worth the money. They're all, for the most part, already in their prime or entering their prime. The only guy that looks good is Montrez Harrell, but I'm pretty sure he'd want to re-sign with the Clippers. Um, yeah. And the other players are all vets who are going to look for contenders or playoff teams to join, but I, I agree 100% with Teddy. I would look for a player who a team would want a salary dump on we get a first round pick out of that we just keep adding on to the picks get a treasure chest war chest full of picks and then that'll that'll help us in the long run we'll hopefully be able to draft properly develop those players and then at one point when we find that right disgruntled player we'll trade we'll trade those picks to get that player agreed and play like prioritize the young guys make sure we're building around barrett and mitch and Find whoever we're finding in the draft. Hopefully they're great, and then we have three players plus Randall to focus on moving forward. Yep. So I think with that being said, we should take our quick break, and afterwards we're going to discuss real quick if the Knicks should t- should look towards making the playoffs and our famous Nick and Dick of the Week. We will be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Miller Heavy. When you're hanging with the boys on a Saturday night watching a Knicks game, make sure to grab yourself a can of Miller Heavy. None of that light stuff. We here at Nickish F with Miller Heavy. 
<laughs> With our new sweet, refreshing taste, you can forget about missing on that Bud Light, and you can crack open a can of that good stuff. This new formula comes with reduced fizz. So <laughs> you can enjoy the game like the dog you are. Miller Heavy, enjoy responsibly. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the Nickish Show. Thank you for holding tight during that break. We're here to talk about now the playoffs and whether the Knicks should actually be making a push towards the playoffs. Currently, um, after beating the Orlando Magic on Thursday, the Knicks are now six games behind the eighth seed. Um, with a lot of games left, number one, my first question is, do you guys think the Knicks have a chance at making the playoffs? And then number two, and obviously this will be influenced by your answer to number one, but number two, do you think the Knicks should be making a, a push to the playoffs? Because doing so could potentially, obviously could potentially land us in the playoffs, and which is great to shut up all the doubters in the league, but also a push towards the playoffs, even if you end up in the middle of their shows a lot of other free agents and a lot of other players around the league that were essentially a fully transformed organization. But that isn't necessarily my view. Um, I want to ask you guys, though, what your views are. So starting with Teddy, what's up? Yeah, um, so six games behind, right? My opinion on this matter is that we should just stop what we're doing right now, <laughs> right? And start playing the young guys and letting our pick, you know, gain some of its value back. Because... The worst thing I think we could do right now is go into win-now mode and try to just keep playing the vets, try to get that 8 seed, fail, and the young guys have not developed. These these guys that we've played are leaving, like Bobby Portis, mm -hmm. um, Payton. All these guys are free agents this offseason. So all we've done is just raised their stock up, and they're, they're going to be harder to resign, even if they did great, right? Mm -hmm. And also, I'm very skeptical that we would even get there because we just lost a twenty, almost a 20-point 20 per game scorer. We lost one of our best defenders, and we lost pretty much our leader, right, um, in Marcus Morris. So I don't think we should pursue this at all, but I also disagree with the whole tanking on purpose thing. So last year at the draft, right, what did we see? We saw the Pelicans, who were like ninth, right, the in projected ninth pick, mm -hmm. go all the way to first. Yeah. And I don't know if it was rigged or whatnot, but that just shows me <laughs> that the odds are not really in the favor, even if you tank. So... There's no, there's no real benefit from losing on purpose, but I also want the young guys to get their minutes in. So if we keep winning games, we're playing the young guys, that's that's natural, that's that's fine with me. But I do not want to see us you know, play the vets and try to make a playoff run. Yeah, to answer your first question on whether or not I think that they can possibly make the playoffs, I actually do think that if they push for it, they can make the playoffs. Because during one of their toughest stretches, Mike Miller led the team to a 12-18 and 18 record. And... You know they're they're at a point right now when their schedule is a lot lighter. Their next three games, for example, is against Detroit, Atlanta, Washington. Um, they're yeah they're, they're the next couple of games are against play uh play uh, teams that are not going to make the playoffs. And at this point in time, they're how many games from the eighth seed? They're six games behind the eighth seed. And the the teams that are ahead of them are the Pistons, the Wizards, the Bulls, and the Hornets. And those are those three of those four teams are really bad. And then the fourth are the mm -hmm. Bulls, who that's debatable. So. I think and the, the Knicks Pistons got even worse this trade deadline. Exactly, without without Drummond on their team and Derrick Rose, at, at you know he you can't rely on him to be able to play the rest of the season at this point in his career. Now, should they make the playoffs? They should not. They should they shouldn't be having players like Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton, averaging thirty to thirty three minutes per game while our young guys in Frank and Knox and mm -hmm. even Dennis Smith Jr. They're playing fifteen to eighteen minutes and then Dotson 
still doesn't play all the time. So I don't think they should be making the playoffs. There's no reason to really win as many games at this point. I, mm-hmm. You're you're hurting your chances of getting a lottery pick, especially if all those players who are getting the most minutes are probably not going to be on the team next season. I will be so pissed if come November we still see Bobby Portis and Alfred Payne on the team getting all these minutes. I, I, I'd be so pissed. Please, please don't say that again. Please. Knock, um, knock I, on all wood. Yeah. Um, I, I actually agree with both yeah, of you guys. I, I think, um, yes, I would love to see this team actually sneak into the playoffs and get some of that experience for these young guys, especially to show RJ Barrett that we're the team he wants to be, to, he wants to stick with, we're the team. Like, I don't want another situation with, like, KP where he comes here He's losing year in, year out. He's a diva, and then he ends up leaving, and we get very little value back for him. I want guys like RJ and Mitch and some of these young guys to actually feel some kind of playoff presence, whether they get whether they lose in four games or not. But at the same time, I, I agree with both of you in the sense that, yes, it, it, it could be a, a possible road to make it into the playoffs, but at the same time, I personally don't care who's starting because I feel that's, that's ultimately just like, a very surface level thing i care about the minutes distribution and i want to make sure that whether the guys are starting or not like the veterans are starting or not i want the young guys to be getting a lot of minutes this like mo like you mentioned this 15 minutes per game thing is not going to work out in terms of developing these players i think they're going to develop fine coming on the coming off the bench behind these veterans just so they can see how they should be playing the right way but i don't think the veterans are that much better than uh the young guys anyway i think peyton is obviously good at uh, leading the team on the floor, but he has a lot of faults to his to, to, to his game. And then a guy like Taj Gibson is actually really good uh, to start and to actually show Mitch how to play. And, and w- with him starting and playing only 15 minutes a game and Mitch coming off the bench following suit, it's actually been a lot better for Mitch. So I'm happy with the young guys coming off the bench or playing a secondary role to the veterans, but just at least an equal minutes distribution, if not leaning more towards the young guys. And that way, I think the team does not get any worse. So our chances of making the playoffs or our chances of getting the best record possible for us is still the same. It's more so also including the development of the young guys. So I agree with both of you guys. Try to make a push to the playoffs. Just don't like don't purposely tank, of course. I don't think anybody in this team wants to purposely tank anyway. Um, and then prioritize development of guys like RJ and Mitch and Frank and DSJ uh, and make sure that these guys are you know developing throughout the year. And then wherever we end up we end up and of course like teddy mentioned this draft this new draft situation anybody can win the draft anybody can make it top three so i feel comfortable with wherever we land because i don't think we're going to be a world beating team but moving on from that i wanted to hit you guys with our final segment of this episode and that is we're bringing back nick and dick of the week so for anybody who's just tuning in for the first time nick and dick of the week not only rhymes but also talks towards who we feel is number one the best player uh, from the Knicks in this past week or the Knicks organization or affiliated and then number two the dick of the week who's somebody we feel exemplifies everything wrong with this team and everything we don't we dislike about rooting for the Knicks so starting with you Mo I want to hear from your opinion who do you believe is this week's Nick of the week my pick for this week's New York Nick of the week um, I have a feeling I know who Teddy's going to pick, so I'm going to try to think a little bit outside the box. I actually thought of this person um, before we started this segment or before we started this episode. My pick for this week's Nick of the Week is James Dolan. Whoa, 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 my friend. James mother. I'm about to hang Dolan. up this call right now. I am now. on the Dolan Hive, baby. He got rid of Steve Mills I've after heard, all these years I've of never losing. i heard those words together in my life. <laughs> Saying a lot. Dolan Hive, yo. Saying a lot. 
<laughs> this bag, this bandwagon ain't gonna be open for much longer, yo. Um, he got <laughs> he got rid of Steve Mills, who's been a plague for this organization. He he was a plague that got rid of a plague at this point. So James Dolan, he 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 made the right decision this week in getting rid of Dolan, uh, getting rid of Dolan, getting rid of Mills before he was about to make probably <laughs> yeah, a catastrophic you even trade. <laughs> Mills is probably ready to trade two picks for John Henson to back up <laughs> to be the starter for to back up Taj, so they, Mitch could be third string. I don't, I don't even know, but you know Dolan made that decision, and then at the same time this week he went on to hire Leon Rose at World Wide West, who I still want to give a chance to to really you know see what they do, and he kept Scott Perry for this week through the trade deadline to make the right moves that I believe were the right moves. For this, for for the organization moving forward, so right. James Dolan is my pick. Interesting pick, Teddy. It's wow. a hard one to follow up. Who is your Nick of the Week for this all week? All right, guys, let's be a little realistic. All right, <laughs> let's take it back. Let's take it back a little bit. I want to just step back and say, give give you some clues. I'm gonna build it up. All right. Mm, okay. Let's see. My guess Nick of the Week, about. and let me know if you guys if you guys guess it. He's a player. All right. I'm lost already. I'm and he's done. a starter. All right. Okay. My Nick of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, is the starting guitar playing JD and the Straight Shots lead man, James Dolan! Wow. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I told you. I'm about to quit this show right James Dolan. My man. No. Listen, first of all, had him in the first half. Me too? I had him in the first half. I had him in the first half, all right? So, he had us in the first half. Let, let me just Not explain my, ra- my rationale here, right? The man wants to win. That's, that's the bottom line. He's a baby. He's a child. All right? But he wants to win. Because we've seen we've seen him willing to put the money down. It doesn't matter if it's the worst mm-hmm. plan on earth. That's where mm-hmm. it is. That's what his problem is. It's the worst plan on earth, but he is always willing to pay. Right? So Speak on I, it. I think this was a great move for him to come out and say, guys, Mills is out. Here's a new direction that we're heading towards here's a new president i'm not selling the team but i'm gonna try to make this team better all right and i feel like if we could see um dolan kind of put his foot down when things are going the wrong way sometimes it you know we could respect him a little bit more so it's been a it's been an issue that and that's his main flaw is that he hasn't put his foot down when the losing has like just compounded for years and years and years so this is a good character development um in his in his story <laughs> I'm still not excited about the guy, and he'll probably never make this segment ever again. But this this was a this was a groundbreaking moment. Listen, I, I, I'm actually I told you, I'm, I'm a player I'm, I'm, and a starter. I'm, I'm usually not floored on this podcast ever, <laughs> but right now I'm I'm honestly I'm bamboozled. I'm I've been led astray. Mm. I've been led amok on I this see. podcast. I see. I'm sorry. You I feel asked that way. you guys, who both of you feel is this week's Nick of the week? It's unanimous, sir. You don't get to just... And you come back to me with... Is he fucking James Dolan? <laughs> I... The right. owner of the New York Knicks. The owner it, of the it New wasn't, York Knicks. The petulant it, child. A guy who responds to people's earnest letters by calling them alcoholics. It wasn't a keep long shot. Keep the team, baby. Keep the team. Don't sell it. It wasn't a long shot. It was a straight shot. <laughs> JD and the straight shots. <laughs> the guy who kicks players and fans alike out it's of all MSG good. it's all good we're looking past things. that now the guy oh who looked God. away so during a, a sexual assault case oh here we go here we go bring out his whole wikipedia page will a you? guy who consistently not only supports trump but acts like trump in terms of 
He treats his Knicks PR statements the way Trump treats his Twitter handle. And then you guys have the gall, the audacity to mm. sit here and be like, because he fired the president after all the fans banded mm. together and chanted mm. sell the team mm-hmm. for you to call him Nick of the Week. That's All right, I'm sold. That guy's this it. week's Nick of the Week. James Dolan, baby. That's it. All right, all right. All jokes aside, yeah. it's time for a more somber somber question. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to need a moment of silence from both of you guys for, for who could potentially be this week's Dick of the Week. And a moment gone. Mo, I'm going to ask you first. Who do you think, who do you want to nominate if this week's New York Dick of the Week. You know, I'll be honest. Nick of the Week was a lot easier to figure out for this time around. I, I had, I really had to figure it out for a couple of days now for this week's Nick of the Week. But Dick of the Week is tough. But I did make my decision after looking at this box score once again of last night's game. Was it last night's game? Uh, Thursday's game against the Orlando Magic. Where I look at the minute distribution, I see Todd Gibson getting 29 minutes. When I see Mitchell Robinson getting 18 minutes. So my pick... For this this week's Dick of the Week is Coach Mike Miller, because I, I I would have to see how he how he plays it out next game, but there is absolutely no reason why after the trade deadline Taj Gibson is playing 29 minutes while your star center, uh, young stud Mitchell Robinson is getting 18 minutes, and then Kevin Knox is getting 16, and RJ is getting 18. RJ did come back from injury, but Frank is getting 14, but Todd is getting 29. Julius Randle, that's fine. Alfred's getting 33. Reggie Bullock is getting 30 minutes. The mid distribution does not make sense and is not mm-hmm. to my liking, so Miller is my pick this week for the Dick of the Week. You make a very, very good case for that. Now, Teddy, what would you like to follow your yes. Dick of the to Week? To counter that, before I even get into my Dick of the Week, I will say, guys, there's a tidbit of information that I left out earlier. When we're talking about the minutes distribution, the Knicks have been reportedly saying that they're just evaluating the veterans they want um, past this offseason. So we have team options, and we're trying to basically see who we want to keep long-term. So I think that can explain a lot of Mike uh, Miller's coaching rotations and why he's playing certain guys a lot more than he needs to. So that is the main reason why he does not earn the Dick of the Week in my mind. So my Dick of the Week nomination, and this agreed, it was a lot harder um, to pick because, I don't know, we, it's, not, it's not really easy to pick the weakest link right now for this week. But mine goes to a certain man by the name of Wayne Ellington. <laughs> Wayne <laughs> Ellington. Now, I don't know what, I don't know what happened, alright? But this is not the same Wellington that I was t- told about. All right? Not the same Wellington. He's not even Wayne Ellington anymore. Wellington. Wellington. <laughs> this is not the same Wellington that I was told about in the offseason, all right? Where all the Heat fans were hyping him up, saying he's great. He's a great player. Great shooter. Lockdown. What is... Somebody put an APB on Wayne Ellington. Because this is his clone. This is his clone from another dimension that just doesn't know how to play basketball. All right? So... As far as Wayne Ellington goes, I heard we were shopping him at the deadline and nobody wanted him. <laughs> nobody was even willing to get him on a contender for cash. For cash. We saw some guy go for cash the other day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, the Woj bomb was just traded for cash. <laughs> All right? So you're telling me Wayne Ellington is <laughs> so useless. So useless that a team didn't even want to offer money for him. Mm-hmm. No. I'm sorry. Also very I do want to case. counter that real real quick because yes. it is this week's Dick of the Week, and Wayne Ellington did go for four for six in his last game, scoring 12 points. He was pivotal <laughs> in that win. 
Did you say against Orlando? He, went, he was pivotal. Scored twelve points and went, was pivotal. Oh my god. Well, well, to, I mean, Mo brings up a good point there. Four from six, four for six is way better than what he's been shooting this season. And overall. what was his trade deadline rumor? Nothing, <laughs> because he was so bad. So, Even Bobby Portis had rumors. <laughs> so. I've heard both of your cases, mm. and now it's fine. It's time for me to deliberate and choose mm-hmm. who I believe is this week's Nick, uh, Dick of the Week. Mm-hmm. I hear you, Mo, on on uh, on the coach, just uh, Coach Miller. He did he did goof a lot this week in, in playing the veterans a lot more I, minutes I than necessary. I hear your reasoning, Teddy, on why he might be doing so. Mm. However, I do believe you can still gauge what the veterans can bring your team without playing them thirty three minutes a game. Um, especially when they won't be playing 33 minutes a game in the future anyway. So you'll never need them playing that many minutes. You just want to see what they can bring you in 15 minutes per game, if anything. So because of that point, and because of the fact that Wayne Ellington had one of his total of one good games this season, this past week, I'm going to have to give this week's stick of the week to, sadly, to Coach Mike Miller. Congratulations, Mike. Let's all have another moment of silence. And moment gone. You've been on this week's episode of Nick's ASMR. <laughs> um, should we be signing out here? I think we'll we'll sign out. Um, it's been your boy Osama, um, joined by Teddy, and Mo. And this is Nickish. You've been listening to Nickish. You're please. Dangerously close to the mic. I, I am dangerously, dangerously close, close to the mic. Um, <laughs> please follow us at Nickish Show on Instagram, Twitter. And of course, this podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Please make sure you're liking all our posts. Please share them. We D- need DM it. us. DM us at two a.m. and be like, "You up? We'll respond. <laughs> we are up." DM me at two a.m. We're watching the Knicks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Nickish. We love you. All right. All right. That's a good. That's a good art. Peace, guys. I guess that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Peace, guys. Peace.